0: To go to sleep. Three, two, one. Good morning. I am Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today, we're very excited about our in studio guest as we have Judge Nelson Johnson, who is the author of Boardwalk Empire and the North Side. Judge Johnson, welcome to the program and thank you for interrupting your extremely busy schedule to talk with us about your thoughts and ideas about Atlantic City and the rich history of Atlantic City, New Jersey.
1: Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh,
0: Fantastic. Uh, if you could, please share with our audience the highlights of your education experience and your background.
1: Well, my education has been pretty focused. Uh, i decided at age five that I wanted to be a lawyer. And so I had no choices. I had no decisions to make. I had no anxiety. I was focused on simply getting whatever education I need to become a lawyer. So I, I went to college at St. John's University in New York, and I went to law school. I took a year off in between to go into the military, and then I went to law school at Villanova, and I began practicing law in 1974, and I became a Superior Court judge in 2006.
0: Now you know, it's Seton Hall, Saint John's, and Villanova, Big rivalry, big rivalry, but but good rivalries. Wow. Yes. But H five, um, did you watch a Perry Mason show? I mean,
1: oh, it, I've been asked, I've been asked that so many times, and, it, and it, it, it is simple because I remember it vividly, and and everybody in my family does. Uh, I was standing in the front seat of, you know, we're talking a lot of years ago. Yes, Standing yes. <laughs> in the front seat of my father's car, he's driving, and my grandfather uh, is seated in the passenger seat, and I'm prattling on and talking, and my grandfather says to me, Nelson, you talk so much, you should be a lawyer. And I said, what's a lawyer? And where do you hear this answer? <laughs> a lawyer is someone who helps people when they're in trouble. So it's stuck in my mind, I need to find out what it is that lawyers do. And by the time I was in the second grade, I had visited the lawyer's office and checked things out, and I said, hey, this looks pretty good. Uh, and by the time I was in sixth grade, I had, you know, ideas as to where I wanted to go to college and where I wanted to go to law school. And, you know, there was never any, there was never any question about what I was going to do because, you know, I had the, had the dumb luck of simply making up my mind early and choosing something that I was going to be able to succeed at. So I was fortunate. Wow,
0: that 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 was awesome. So uh, your grandfather was really the the linchpin
1: there. No question about it. No, <laughs> no question about it. Everybody in the family says the same thing. And you know, what if what if your grandfather said something different to you? Like you know, well, lawyers are bums. You, I don't really mean that. You know? <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> okay. Initially, what motivated you to to write the book? walk empire
1: well that's a more complicated story um, I began representing the Atlantic City Planning Board in 1980 when many of the new casino projects were, were being applied for and approved uh, candidly I went into City Hall knowing it was corrupt uh, what I did not bargain for was the extent of the dysfunctionality the inability to get things done. And I said to myself, how did this city get to this point where government, you know, just can't get out of its own way? Government can't get anything done. I said, how how did the city get to this point? And so my curiosity got the better of me, uh, and I became determined that I was going to try to figure out why was Atlantic City, you know, such a dysfunctional place. Uh, I am a geek. Uh, my natural instincts were to go to the library, uh, and by that I mean go to the library and read whatever I could from days gone by to see if I could start building, you know, something in my brain that would that would you know be like a picture frame for me to look at what's happening and say, okay, this is this makes sense to me now. I had the very good fortune of meeting two librarians. Uh, who fed me books, and I would say during a course of about mm, eighteen to twenty months, it was less than two years from the time I met these two ladies, uh, Jane Spittler uh, and uh, Marie Boyd. They probably gave me about mm, seventeen, eighteen books to read. I read them all, uh, and when I got through, there were there were three things that I was I saw. Uh, one, and it wasn't all books either. There were, some, there were some doctoral dissertations that they had on file. There were, there were some uh, uh, public works administration surveys that they had on file, and, and, and some modern books, some older books. Uh, and three things that I deduced after reading about, about 20 books over the span of almost two years was that, one, no one had ever told the complete history of Atlantic City. You have, a, you have books on the Miss America pageant. You have books on the boardwalk. You have books about the trolley system. You have books about the trains. You have books about the hotels. You have books about fire companies. You have books about sporting, sporting teams. You have books about Atlantic City is a tryout town for Old Broadway. But you didn't have a book that pulled the whole history together from the time it was founded up to the present. The second thing that I noticed was that no one in any of the writing had really, I mean, they, they talk about political corruption, but nobody really zeroed in on trying to analyze it and make sense of it and tell the story of why was the town corrupt. And then the third thing, which blew me away, was the indispensable role of the African-American community. What a lot of people you know can't appreciate is that when Atlantic City was emerging, uh, in the it was founded in 1854, but it, it truly began emerging as, as a regional resort uh, in the 1870s, 1880s, 19, 1890s, turn of the century. Philadelphia was such a booming industrial center that if you were living in South Jersey uh, and you were white and you didn't have a profession, you didn't own a business, you weren't a farmer, and guess what? You were going to Philadelphia. You were going to Philadelphia because the wages were, were paid were so good that nobody in South Jersey could compete with them. Well, that created a big problem for the hotels. They could not compete with Philadelphia's salaries to hire white workers for the hotels. So Atlantic City, um, the hoteliers recruited the freed slaves and children of freed slaves in the Upper South, uh, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina primarily. You you have a smattering that came from as far as Georgia. Very few came from South Carolina. But you you had the the Upper South was recruited by the hoteliers in Atlantic City to bring uh, black workers to run the hotels. And from 1880 to 1930, more than 95% of the hotel workforce was African-American. So that's mm. I use the word indispensable. Mm. If you remove black experience from Atlantic City's history, the town that we know in the modern era never even comes to be. It doesn't happen. Mm. But, yes. So that so those three things really impressed me. I said, "Hey, you know, there's a book here. Somebody needs to write a book." Yes. But, but yes. the problem was. But I, as I got into it and started writing, and writing is a writing is a real challenge, but but it's also very stimulating, and I enjoy doing it. But what I recognized in the first book was that the history of the black community—that was a book all by itself. Wow! You know, so so I so I knew. I said, you know, I said, if you're going to do this right, you're going to wind up writing two books. <laughs> so so I just you know I just stayed with it till I got it done.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And did you have any idea that? Uh the bulwark empire were turned into an hbo series award-winning
1: series well here here's what i always when i say i always thought here's what i thought very early on i thought that this character nucky johnson was pretty special for 20th century america and what i mean by that is i can't find you find people that come close to him but i can't find anybody who was so successful as long as he was in wearing two hats. He was both an important player in politics, and at the same time, he was an important member of organized crime. So this is, this is a guy that would get invited to the White House to sleep in Lincoln's bed, and the very next day he could be rubbing elbows with mafia thugs. Uh, he, he, and, and, and what made, made it particularly fascinating for me was that unlike other cities, uh, and Atlantic City was smaller, so that that did make it easier. But unlike other cities where you had two rings of power, you had you had the corrupt uh, the corrupt racketeers who dealt with booze, broads, and gambling. You know, pr- pr- prostitution, gambling, and and all sorts of things. They would be one ring of power, and then you'd have the corrupt politicians who did business with them. They were a separate ring of power. Under Nucky, the two rings became one. That really that really. Caught my imagination. I said that's special. Yes. And I said that makes him special because he pulled it off for almost thirty years. That's a that's a big deal. That's a long time <laughs> to to be to be able to run a town as, as as I'll say efficiently. I won't I won't say you know I won't say uh, benevolently, but to run things as well as he did uh, for as long as he did, it was pretty special. So I said to myself, this guy's a movie, and and I did I did make efforts to try to pitch the idea of him as a movie to people in hollywood and that's how that's how the book wound up in the hands of uh, hbo but their their thoughts were hey you know this is a series <laughs> and so it became a series and it became a very different thing than the book because if you think about it the book cannot fill up 12 hours of tv it can't fill up twenty-four hours of TV, and now they're going into a third season. They could never fill up thirty-six. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, so they have to. You know, they they have to they have to be uh, creative, inventive. But uh, it's. I'm going to say much of it is historically accurate fiction. If mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I would best describe it. Excellent. Excellent. But it's it's, it's been a, it's been a whole lot of fun. Whole lot of fun. Do,
0: do you see any correlation between the Lang City in the '30s and the Lang City today?
1: I saw, that's a it's that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, not much. And, and, what, and what, I guess what I mean by that is the zenith of Atlantic City's uh, popularity was during Prohibition. Uh, and when Prohibition was repealed, that began creating problems for Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the, the 20s and the early 30s um, were clearly you know, Atlantic City's day in the sunshine. Mm-hmm. That Atlantic City started a major decline. We're still living with the effects of that decline in terms of an infrastructure that some of it's been rebuilt, and some of it's been completely ignored, and continues to to crumble. Uh, we're dealing with the effects of that in terms of a of a vacuum in in power uh, in City Hall, and what I mean by that is, you know, most communities have a tradition for how to handle and 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 transfer power. Atlantic City really doesn't you know that doesn't have that tradition because we had three very powerful bosses that spanned about seventy five years and when that boss system collapsed, what you had was chaos because everybody thinks they're going to be the next boss and none of them have been the next boss. Most of them who think they're going to be the next boss wind up in jail. Uh, And and so that's you know that's kind of a that's kind of a mess. Yeah, uh, and and so how do I compare today with the past? It's not. It's not easy to do. It's not easy. I mean, I can show you how today was influenced by the past, but I I can't tell you that the two are similar because there, there there really isn't much. I mean, there's a tie in terms of cause and effect, but there's but there's no there's not much in a way of similarities between the two periods.
0: You know, when I first opened this series, titled Miss America, where are you? Uh, about Atlantic City, I shared with the audience some of these statistics, and what was interesting. And I grew up in Atlantic City, which I experienced the vacuum. You know that? Oh yes, I, Atlantic uh, Ohio Avenue. We uh, had a grocery store, Gunner's Market. Yep.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: and uh, my mom is still there. My sister is still there, and uh, I, of course, I get down frequently. But the the one thing that I knew as a child not necessarily, I am a child, uh, reading the Atlantic City Press. Is the uh, the the mayors or the city councilmen? Someone was being indicted. Someone was going off to jail. And five of the last nine mayors have either been indicted or have been or have been uh, have done time. and And what happens, in my opinion, is that you get a vacuum of leadership, and you get a ship that's out at sea with no captain, and it's going in whichever direction that the wave will take it. and And I think Atlantic City suffers from that. And
1: uh, I'm afraid you're right.
0: And uh, when, I, when I hear folks talk about Atlantic City, the world's playground, well, the question is, how many international visitors does Atlantic City really actually have to come to, to the casinos and, and, and to the hotels and to the boardwalk and to the beach?
1: Not, not many. Atlantic City remains a, a pretty much regional uh, attraction. Uh, people, people will travel basically, you know, a tank full of gas to get there. Uh, so you draw people from as far away as western Pennsylvania, and as far south as, you know, Baltimore and Washington, and as far north as New York and Long Island, and maybe a few from, you know, uh, Rhode Island, Connecticut, upstate New York, Massachusetts, but it, 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 for it to be a national resort, uh, a lot of things have to happen, and, and, you know, airfare has, I mean, air transportation in and out of that city has always been problematic Uh And until that happens, you know, it's not going to be a, quote, national resort.
0: True. And and I've said that I think Atlantic City needs to uh, address the the customer service. They need to address the the crime. And they need to do a better job of marketing uh, marketing the city. I I think Vegas has just uh, done a tremendous job with their campaigns. Now, I know that uh, I had one other guest who was talking about the new uh, marketing fund, of I think it's like 25 million that they're going to have to uh, to to market Atlantic City, but I think Atlantic City really needs to address its the the service that was provided that was detailed in both of your books. That's a level of service that Atlantic City needs to provide the people visiting the city.
1: Oh, well, old, old, old Atlantic City was a place where the visitor knew that they would come and be pampered. They knew that. Uh, and you know, and the catch was they had to pay for it. But so what? I mean, that's when people are on vacation, they're prepared to pay. Uh, yes, yes. There are there are hotels and restaurants that do provide a very good level of service, uh, but the but the the overall image of the town is is is, is suffering. And there's no question about that.
0: You know, uh, as I, as I, we, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, let me say we're here with Judge Johnson, the author of Bolt Walk Empire* in the North Side, and we're so fortunate to have him on our program to share his insights about Atlantic City. We have titled the series *Miss America*, where are you? Do you find it strange that the Miss America pageant actually left Atlantic City?
1: I find it sad. I think they, I think they shot themselves in the foot. I think, I think they didn't try hard enough to stay in in town. Uh, they didn't work hard enough. At trying to find uh, a Philadelphia or a local TV network that would, you know, help them in underwriting the cost and, and, and broadcast the show, uh, and now they're you know they're wandering is what they're doing. I mean, I, I guess they're in they're in Vegas now right Is that
0: I, I believe they're in Vegas but you know I used to watch the Miss America pageant every year I guess it was on NBC I can't tell you the last time that I've actually watched it since but,
1: but neither can I I haven't I haven't watched it once since it left Atlantic City uh, because it's difficult to know when it's going to be on or what network it's going to be on uh, they, they shot themselves in the foot they made a big mistake yeah. Uh, whether or not they come back, I have no idea. I, you know, I'm I, 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 not the kind of thing I'd get myself involved in because I'm not able to. But uh, Atlantic City is their home, and and when they wake up, they'll come back.
0: You know, I, I am trying to get the CEO of the Miss America pageant on the program to to discuss this topic. So if I get him on a program, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm curious to hear what he says. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, you know, as a long-term resident of Atlantic City uh, and being in the uh, greater Atlantic City area, uh, you've had the opportunity to witness and chronicle the, the history of Atlantic City. What are your thoughts about the, the current condition of Atlantic City? You've, you touched upon it in our, in our previous uh, Q&A, but, um, wh- you know, how does it make you feel when you've read and chronicled the history of Atlantic City about how great it could be to where it is now?
1: Well, Atlantic Atlantic City has got opportunities and it has challenges. And and if you look at the challenges, uh, the town has yet to, you know, develop a a democratic, with a small d, a democratic tradition for the exercise and transfer of power. Uh, And until people, you know, are able to wrap their brains around that and respect one another... And lose an election and go away gracefully, uh, and not think that you know being in city hall is you know the beginning of, of, of their own little royal reign until they you know, until until those traditions develop, which is a slow process. So government, local government going to continue to to not operate very effectively. Uh, I think a lot more needs to be done, can be done, uh, in terms of safe. Sanitary, affordable housing uh, a lot of a lot of decent affordable housing has been constructed and I make my own tours very frequently and most of it is being very well taken care of and occupied and you know there's not a big vacancy rate or, or any sort of vandalism rate so I think more new housing is, is, is definitely the answer uh, how that comes about whether it's through the CRDA or someone else yeah you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure but housing continues to be uh, a you know a, a very big problem, uh, and then let's be candid: in the past 10, 12 years, there has been a tremendous number of new places for people to go to gamble have developed. Every place from Philadelphia to Niagara Falls to you know Indian reservations in Connecticut. I mean, Atlantic City has now got competition that it didn't have back in the early 1980s when, you know, when casino gambling was launched in Atlantic City. And so that's slowly, and it's happening much too slowly, uh, it's forcing Atlantic City to diversify its economy. Uh, it will diversify its economy. It, it will have to, or it won't survive. It's just as simple as that because gambling is just going to be, you know, an extra attraction. It's not going to be the main event in the future because gambling is available in most places. Where people want to want to want to go for a, go for a vacation, uh, but in but in terms of opportunities, I think the opportunities are very real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but for like five out of the past seven years, when you look at Boardwalk Hall, the old convention hall on the boardwalk, and you calculate the per seat dollars generated for events during the course of the year five out of the last seven years for its size arena Atlantic City has been number 1 in the country number 1 number 1 so what and, and it might even I'm see, I'm hedging my bet here it might even be six out of the last seven years but I know for sure it's five and what that tells you is hey we have you know a cash cow here we have something that we need to Make it better, make it bigger, make it stronger. And so the key to, one of the keys to Atlantic City's future will be events, events of all, of all sorts. You know, what, you know, whether it's a, you know, a, a stage show or, or a concert, you know, rap singers, basketball games, whatever it may be, because Boardwalk Hall is a place that people like to come to. They've done a pr- pretty darn good job of, of renovating it and modernizing the facilities, uh, and it's a very friendly, user-friendly place to go see an event of all types. And so that, in my opinion, is, is, is one of the building blocks in terms of opportunities. The other is the boardwalk itself. The boardwalk has been neglected. The boardwalk has portions that are in really bad shape and then you have portions that are in great shape. And, you know, and there's got to be a concerted effort by somebody to say, okay, we're going to make this entire strip strip of, strip of wood what it once was, namely a grand promenade. It, 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 it's a funny thing, and one of the things I came, I came across in my in my research, uh, looking back at the old ordinances discussing the boardwalk, it was always referred to not as a street and not as a pedestrian walkway or anything. It was always referred to as a quote grand promenade. It was at one time, but it isn't anymore. And so, you know, that's an opportunity to to, to again. Restore it to being a grand promenade. And then I think the last thing is events generally. I mean, Atlantic City has staged some events just in the past 12 months that show you the potential. That Dave Mason uh, concert that they had that lasted three days, uh, the air show that they had that brought in more than a half a million people, the town was was bursting out of seams, uh, You know those kind of events, uh, whether it's, you know, whether it's concerts on the beach or you know in in Boardwalk Hall, or whether it, this this weekend they're having the marathon, they're going to have almost four thousand people running. Everybody brings somebody with them. It's, it's the individual runner that comes you know that comes by himself, and so all that you know helps you know keep the keep the economy strong. But you know the town has to be creative. The town has to be forward thinking. And the town has to think about what other events can we have throughout the year that will draw people. But those, because look, the location is terrific. Atlantic Atlantic City continues to be, you know, within a tankful tankful of gas away from, you know, about a third of the nation's population. That's pretty good. Wow. And you, you, so you got to draw from that. You got to draw from that.
0: And what about Atlantic Avenue? It's Atlantic Avenue is like the, um, I guess, the the forgotten
1: sibling. Well, Atlantic Avenue is a work in progress. And what I mean by that is, you know, you, you see glimmers, glimmers of renewal and then you see pockets of despair. And I don't know where Atlantic Avenue is going. I mean, Atlantic Avenue, let's face it, it really was. A, it, both of them, Atlantic and Pacific, were, were really vital, you know, arteries for the town, you know, 40 years ago, uh, 50 years ago. But, but, but they're not now, and I don't know if they ever will be. Uh, the, the walk, which is this Cordis development, has had a had a very positive impact in terms of the town's image. Uh, but but it can't it can't have done anything good for the for the rest of the shops in town. Let's be candid, it's, it's, it's competition they can't contend with. Uh, but you know what's the future of Atlantic Avenue? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you would you would hope that it would it would go the way of convenience stores and offices. Uh, and sometimes it looks like it's going that way, and other times I don't know.
0: Yes, but it seems like if it if it had a vision and some leadership, uh, that it 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 really is prime real estate because it's
1: you are two, correct two blocks from the beach. <laughs> and the and the vision and the leadership is what is what is missing.
0: Yes, 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 yes. And and speaking of uh, leadership, um, is there a quote that uh, you could share with our audience that defines leadership? that you like to share with us
1: uh, leaders can't be ignored
0: leaders cannot be ignored
1: leaders you have to take into account the views of leaders mm-hmm. so sometimes leaders lead by example and nothing more mm-hmm. sometimes leaders lead by leading the charge uh, but whether they are Passive, or whether they're very aggressive, leaders are people who are respected by a, a portion of the population where their interests co- coincide. And you say, you know, before we do anything, you know, we ought to, we ought to, think, we ought to think about, you know, what what Dow thinks of this situation because his view matters. And mm-hmm. uh, getting to that point is is is. Is not easy. I mean, it's a, it's a whole lot of work that takes place over life in terms of people becoming leaders. But you know, my my mother always used to say to us as kids, "I'd rather see a sermon than hear one."
0: Oh, wow!
1: So, so you lead by example.
0: Yes, yes.
1: It, it, it's it's easy to pontificate and speechify, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. I say, uh, but it's a whole lot harder to simply do the job day in day out. Be a. I tell young people: you want to be a leader in your in your profession, find the people who have really attained success in your field, emulate them, and time will come when you will become a role model too, from having emulated worthy people, uh, and that's and that's you know one of many ways to to you know, to be a successful leader, but you yeah, know leader leadership you know has has lots of aspects to it and leadership has you know lots of roles to play in all over so yeah, but do we have enough leaders in Atlantic City no do we have enough leaders in America no we both know that yes
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Judge Nelson Johnson, the author of Vault Empire, and most recently, The North Side, that chronicles the growth of the African-American community in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Judge Johnson, I want to thank you for coming on the program, and you're going to come back with us next week, correct?
1: Yes, I will. All right.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Okay, this good is, talking to you, Darrell. Have a nice day. Thank you.
0: This is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM Seton Hall University. Remember, leadership begins